0: You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that of course syndicates for the A-List Online and that means my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, I hope you're well. The interview subject I have prepared for you, the fella coming up for your listening pleasure. Sounds a bit weird doesn't it, but you know what I mean. You're going to be listening to a bloke who knows a lot about music because it's Josh Middleton and he is the fella out the front and the guitarist in Solosis. He also happens to be in a little old band that I know many of you will know called Architects. He's just been in Australia with Architects actually, but uh, Solosis is the band that we're talking about at the moment because there's a new album out. It'll be available, checking iTunes now, on the 7th of February 2020. It's called Cycle of Suffering, and if you like Death and Control Denied and the proggier end of heavy metal that's still got a really gnarly thrash and sort of death feel to it. This is the stuff. I'm really enjoying it. So here he is, Josh Middleton from Solosis. Hello. Josh, Andy McKay-Smith calling. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Not too bad, mate. Yeah, it's uh, It's been bloody hot today and the kids are about to tear each other's faces off, but you get that, oh not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's just, you know, we've just had months and months of just nonstop heat, right? So it starts affecting people. And, put, and yeah. of course, the rugby started, <laughs> I can't believe it, rugby started in January in Australia. It's incredible. The Super Rugby's just started, which is just dumb, to be honest. I just, you know, they're playing, Reds are playing the Brumbies down in Canberra. In 38 degree temperatures, and it's it's eight, oh, wow it's 9:30 yeah. down there at night, and it's that temperature. It's I think you know some cooler heads have got to prevail in some of these situations and protect people's welfare. You know, yeah, I
1: bet, yeah, That's intense, <laughs> you know, Very but, intense.
0: Mate, how's the the conversations with the Australian indie ties been going?
1: Yeah, good. Yeah, enjoyable. Yeah, cool. yeah, not too bad.
0: Yeah, look, I've got to admit, uh, this is actually the first time that I'd heard of the band when John sent through the opportunity to have a chat to you. Uh, but okay. but now that I am aware uh, of you, I've sort of gone back over your catalogue, and mate, you've been releasing punishing heavy metal for quite some time. It's fair to say, and it's it's high quality stuff. And and I actually I've been listening to Cycle of Suffering. <laughs> long time listeners of my podcast will know I'm an avid swimmer and i listen to albums when I'm swimming. Cause I've got some uh, Sony, okay. Sony headphones. These are Walkman. They new. the new Walkman they call it. So I've had some right. like, cycle of suffering on whilst I've been swimming and just going about the day. But swimming is when I really get quality time, I think to really listen to an album. And, and yeah. like, my feelings are that, okay, you can use basic terms. Like it's really good, but it is genuinely well-crafted. It's a well-crafted album. Uh, And the quality of the riffs are just outstanding. Uh, And I'll go into a bit more detail on that in a sec. But I guess my first point uh, question wrapped in a point is that I feel... I was really surprised that I hadn't heard of you before. And it's probably more to do with me than it is you guys, of course. But I think the quality of your stuff lends itself to an audience ten times the size, probably what you've got at the moment. But I guess that's an issue that a lot of nuclear blast bands face. You know, just... the the competitive landscape of the internet, meaning that all the bands are releasing all this pretty good stuff these days. And, uh, you know, and and, and beyond that, um, you know, the epic riffs and the vocal cadences that you're putting into the album, you know, all of those post-teen not-yet-adults that worship at the altar of Slipknot and Cornerstone, still can't believe those bands are popular, sorry, it's just my opinion, but, you know, all these kids that love those bands really should be aware of what you're doing. So as I say that, that's my first question point. Really wrapped in a question that you've definitely got it going on, and you really should be here performing at Download next month. So mate, how do we raise your profile a bit more so that the casual heavy metal fan can know who you guys are? Uh
1: yeah, good question. I I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess like um, maybe being from the UK is kind of I don't know if that's tricky or not. It's definitely. Um, maybe a little bit harder it's definitely a lot harder to break through in the u.s because like touring and getting over there is really expensive whereas if you're a u.s band you can just you know you've got such a huge country on your doorstep and you can just tour for months on end and uh raise the band's profile but it's quite expensive for us to go over there uh and then we've got europe you know mainland europe next to us but i don't know if that always translates to a worldwide thing i think feel like american bands getting big over there kind of maybe translates a bit better, like um I don't know. I don't know why we aren't bigger. I mean, I well I <clears throat> I have my own theories. I think uh there there's a a, a growth and a focus on this new album mm-hmm. and you know for me like I grew up listening to albums like And Justice for All by Metallica or yeah. Symbolic by Death and uh yeah they're very kind of progressive and like long songs and, and that kind of thing. And that, that was like an inspiration, you know, and still is like, especially like the type of riffs. But, uh, I do feel like in the past we've had, you know, quite long songs. Um, Mm -hmm. I started getting into more earthy raw production and that kind of thing. So I think the combination of having like quite long songs and, you know, trying to go for something a little less produced sounding Mm -hmm. maybe might have been a hindrance uh, to us or like would have been harder to, you know, rope like new or younger listeners in maybe.
0: Yeah.
1: So the new albums definitely like more focused and that's not for any kind of, uh, I don't know, like some people would say like sell out reason, but for me, like and I think it's the same with everyone everyone around the world now, is my attention span's just not what it used to be. And I think that's due to the way we consume media and social media now. Um so the the new album, uh the songs are more focused. There's still tons of riffs everywhere, but uh mm-hmm. I was just really, really trying to trim the fat where possible and just be a bit more ruthless with uh editing my own songs uh as in editing that my the composition as opposed to like you know editing the production I know of saying, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah
0: being a bit yeah. more brutal on the cutting room floor so to speak it, exactly know, yeah. yeah
1: and then like with the production like uh yeah. i i feel like this new album sounds uh better and more suited i guess to where the band is than what i previously been pushing for so uh yeah we'll see maybe maybe this new album might solidify us a bit more um but yeah i it's definitely not some something that uh i get annoyed by like in terms of the band not being bigger or like Hmm. you know like i i I get that from people and like you see comments like on a lot of our videos like this band should be bigger which is flattering great great to hear that obviously but um I, at the same time, I know that, like, we're playing a style of music that's, I don't know, there, there was, there's, I guess, like, a lot of it's rooted in thrash, and there's not really a scene for new thrash bands. There was, like, a, like, this kind of thrash revival thing that happened, like, probably 10 years ago now. Yeah, I remember, yeah. With bands, like, coming through, but it was quite, um, nostalgic kind of music, whereas we're, not trying to, you know, change anything up too much, but I feel like we just had like a unique approach where we weren't trying to sound like a throwback band. We were just using a, a good thrash kind of foundation for what we do, but there was all kinds of influences in there to kind of separate us. I think, but um, it's yeah, I don't know, but I'm I'm hopeful for like this album and uh, you know, gaining some new traction and things that we want <clears throat> is uh that weren't as prominent when we were active before this hiatus that we've just taken was spotify playlists weren't as big of a deal back yes. then yeah. whereas now you know we've been added to some and uh we've seen like uh, a big growth in our plays and that kind of thing so uh yeah we'll see how this one does
0: yeah, I, I, a lot of what you said there resonates actually because, yeah, I know exactly what you mean about that Nouveau Thrash thing that happened about 10 years ago. It's still going on, by the way. There's these bands that yeah. dress up like as if they're uh, mm-hmm. from the Bay Area circa 1988, and I, I don't get that. I've never been retro nostalgic, if that makes sense. I, I, I like what you guys are doing and that you look like normal fellas. You know what I mean? You look like you're in a band, <laughs> but you look like normal blokes at the end of the day. You're not trying to sort sure, of yeah. borrow from an era, but the music is I, – I'm I, and you mentioned this a couple of times, but – Uh, a big uh, advocate for the music of Chuck Schuldiner and what he did across Death and Control the Night, and you mentioned Symbolic there, and I definitely heard that. And that's a really positive bit of feedback there for you because I think there are a few bands around now that are just starting to pick up. I think someone like yourself, I know you're in Architects as well, and you really get how to write songs. I can hear that. And I think you've tapped into the way that Chuck was writing the methodology he was deploying because there's a segment from about 230 in the cut i sever and to me it sounds a lot like what he was doing but you're not borrowing you're just taking that as an influence and doing your own own thing with it so for and and that was something that kept on recurring actually throughout cycle of suffering i could hear those counterpoints and that was was honestly it was a real pleasant surprise because bands try but they don't quite get it You've got it, but you're a good guitarist. You're a great guitarist. So is is the great man, is, is Chuck, is he a, a principal influence, would you say?
1: Yeah, I guess so. I, that's funny you say that because I actually, uh, the band's booking agent, who's also my architect's booking agent, he handles quite a lot of the bigger uh, bands over here in the UK, he said the same thing. I was like, oh, this bit in uh, I Ever sounds like really Chuck wow, influenced. and. Go. uh yeah. I genuinely didn't, that's not like a deliberate thing. I wasn't like, Oh, let's I'll do something that sounds like that. I think I've obviously just, uh, digested enough of his, his music over the years that it kind of just seeped in without me realizing that I'm inspired by it or using, taking that influence. Um, but it's definitely a compliment, <clears throat> but yeah, more, more so like, uh, yeah, his, his like riffing and specifically on the symbolic album. Um, Yeah, I actually kind of get like annoyed when people we get called like uh, death metal or melodic death metal, which I don't really have any influences that come from mellow death. Like I, I I'd consider At the Gates, I guess, like melodic death metal, like that whole kind of Swedish thing. But that's they're probably like the only band that I listen to that are of that ilk. And to me, like death, when they started doing symbolic, they'd kind of left behind a lot of death metal sound and it was more just Reed, yeah. a metal band you know like it was progressive more than anything so uh but yeah like his his sense of melody i guess um and yeah the types of riff the, the type of riffing specifically on that album in particular that's like yeah it's it's uh it's definitely been a big influence to me over the years but I, it's, it's weird because they're a band that i don't because i've listened to them so much when i was younger like that i yeah. Don't go back that often, but when I do, like, um yeah, I, I kind of forget that how much of an influence it is.
0: I think it just seeps into especially that that critical age, gap, that period when we we're growing up, from about age eleven to about age eighteen. The things you're listening to then, I think they just become a part of you. Like, I, for example, I grew up in the nineties because I'm in my forties and being a bass guitarist, the, the two bands that I. I could never play like Les Claypool, but you know where I'm headed. I wanted to make the bass that dominant, but faith no more, for example, so right. of course whenever I'm writing songs now, <laughs> I guess what some of them sound a bit like, and I don't do a lot of writing, but there's that real heavy introduce yourself style bass that comes in, and it's just in me it it's I haven't listened to Faith no more in damn near twenty years, probably longer, but it's just there it just seeps into you it just comes through via osmosis but but i'll 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 make another a new point here because. The other thing that I really enjoyed about the album is the quality of the production I'm a big fan I can actually listen to pretty ordinary riffs if they're produced really well I'm know, exactly the same <laughs> yeah well you know where I'm coming from yeah. them and so I mean the production quality is is outstanding it sounds to me like as though you hit all of the all of the goals that you wanted to reach when you were producing the album is that the case
1: yeah I think so I'm I have to kind of give credit although I'm credited as mixing the album which is technically true mm. um i had to give credit to Ermin from uh, systematic productions over in melbourne actually who mastered the album okay. and he would uh he kind of held my hand through the mixing process because i'm so attached to the music and so attached to the mix that um i'd get lost and like be chasing my tail and going around in circles with the mix and he'd be like no no this sounds you know, bad. You need to you need to change <laughs> all these things, and give me some you know pointers, or even send some my like, EQ presets now and then. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of uh, like Andy Sneap and Colin Richardson uh, producers, and yeah. I will listen to anything Andy Sneep's produced, even if I don't like the music, just because I can enjoy just the production.
0: Yes, yeah, that's, that's interesting, isn't Andy Sneap? Yeah, it'll be interesting just as a counterpoint, just as an aside to what we're talking about. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Judas Priest and him because I actually think they're going to release an album with him doing a lot of the writing if he didn't do a lot of it on Firepower. You know, um, I'm an old Judas Priest fan, of course. I got into them around uh, Power... Um, God, sorry, it's been a long day. What was the album from uh, <laughs> Painkiller? There you go, Jesus Christ, yep. Painkiller. Yeah, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there, I think. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you've hit the nail on the head there with the production and the mixing. It's just, uh, I, because I, 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 swim and listen to the music when I am swimming. That's actually one of the ways you can tell whether or not an album has been really well put together or not because. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, yours and the, Sepultura, yeah, the splashing. Yeah. <laughs> the splashing. It's just, you got water going in your ear and everything else. Yours and the quadra, Jens Bogren produced quadra for yep. the guys in Sepultura. That they've been the two albums of the year so far. Sound wise, yours and that one. Sure. And, um, yeah, so man, that's it's 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 outstanding and, and I guess the uh well I mean, just you're you're part of both you're part of two bands that have they're very well they're prominent bands. Okay, so you're in this band and you're in architects as well. And uh without asking you to dive into your personal life, I assume you've got a family and you've got to pay a mortgage and all that sort of stuff. So how the hell do you balance everything? Yep. Um
1: <laughs> so basically yeah, I joined Architects in two thousand and sixteen and I was very fortunate that, you know, I joined that band as they were, they'd been making a living from it for a while. And that's when I first started making a living from being a musician. So like, uh, I, I'm very fortunate that I can pay my bills, um, Mm. just from, just from being an architect's alone. And then, uh, do we don't, architects doesn't tour like a crazy amount. I think it always looks like from the outside that bands are busier than they are maybe because, I feel like architects generally don't really tour for more than four or five months of the year. And it's never like in a, we'll never do more than a month in one go. There'll always be at least a month off in between. So like we never go too crazy or away from home too much. So, um, it's not been too hard yet. I've, I do have a a wife and I've got a nine month old daughter now, but um, luckily I've had a lot of time off since then, since she was born. We've, we've been to Australia a couple of times, um, for some, I'd say, a short tour, which is like two weeks, Mm -hmm. and um, did some festivals, like, you know, weekend runs over the summer. So I haven't been away too much, and I've still been able to kind of, yeah, work on some of stuff as well. So, um, so far, yeah, it's not been too bad balancing both.
0: One thing (laughs) that I I think you're very adept at is you can handle, and I had this conversation once before today with Gina from uh, Baroness. Uh, You're both very well at handling... Being on videos, and I I watched today your your feature with Andertons on YouTube, and I really enjoyed it. I've got to say. So, what are your thoughts on the rise of video as a social media medium for getting through to an audience? Do you enjoy doing those sorts of things? Because you're pretty bloody good at it as well.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, I I enjoy it more uh, if if I'm deaf if it's very like. Um interactive like with the interviewer like if it's like with the Antetons video where uh you know I'm sat next to Lee in its conversation and that kind of thing, whereas I'd done some like stuff myself for YouTube uh just filming myself and i, I just don't enjoy it it's kind of awkward <laughs> um so yeah. yeah i I don't know I, it it's kind of just comes with the territory like because I've been doing press now for I've been in a band at least you know like over ten years mm. just get used to doing uh press i guess so uh but yeah thank you
0: yeah it's uh, look it's one of those things cuz sometimes people i don't know whether you've seen the great master, as I call him, Trey Zagtooth. I've spoken to his lovely mother before, actually, but uh, he's not very good at the videos, it's fair to say. Uh, if you saw right, his, his yeah. appearance on Headbangers Ball, it was uh, they probably shouldn't have aired it, to be honest with you. Uh, he was very fidgety right. and very nervous, and that really came across. And, and, and Trey's mother actually told me that he has Asperger's, so I think maybe he was put in a position that wasn't appropriate for him as well. Um, but right. that aside, there are other artists that I see that do the video thing, and to your exact point, I can't... I don't... I mean, I've done a few of the the videos by myself where I'm on campus at uni or what have you and I've got the video on me and I'm talking and I just feel like a dickhead, to be honest. But when it comes to someone interviewing me, it's so much easier and you can riff off each other. And I think the videos are far more lively. Um, yeah. So that's a really good point there, I think. And, and I think they're far more engaging from an audience perspective as well. Um, and, and I guess the, the reason I was asking that is cause I'm a social media major back at uni these days, I'm back in my forties and I'm back at uni and, and I'm studying all of this stuff and, uh, really trying to get down to what's effective. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm trained in this, so I actually <clears> notice <throat> which artists are more adept than others. And you're one of the ones that's adept at it. So I thought I'd ask you the question. Oh.
1: Well, that's good to know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah. It doesn't always feel like that. Yeah. Oh, it's. Yeah, it's, look, you know, I was just pulling my hair out about social media before, just trying to link up all of the accounts. I've got six of the bloody things. There's no easy way. Right. <laughs> it's just time time spent and committed to get the message out as effectively as you can and Hootsuite and all that sort of do the job a little bit, but then that'll cost a lot of money, that stuff as well. Sure, yeah. You know, so you mentioned yep. you mentioned you came down to Australia a few times, uh, and of course I know that you played Soundwave, so... um you know, you're an easy guy to talk to, mate. I mean, you obviously probably enjoy coming down here. It probably just feels like home away from home, I take it, does it?
1: Yeah, kind of. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've been there quite a lot. I've been there a lot specifically over the last few years. Um, yeah, we, we always love going to Australia. It's kind of like uh, the, the, you know, the nice weather of being somewhere like L.A., but the more British sense of humour and that kind of thing, like hmm. in terms of, you know, getting on with people, uh, yeah, Australians, yeah, just just feel like you know, we have a lot in common, I guess. It's I the definitely. same kind of stuff, same, same humour and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I was talking to <clears> when <throat> I was at a chat to Phil Collin uh, from Def Leppard. Uh, he said the same thing. And I think it's undeniable. You, you know, we might might not get along when it comes to the football or the cricket, but that's all, <laughs> all that stuff, you know. Sure. That's all just yeah. fun and games over a few beers, that stuff. But, you know, it's – um. I should check. I probably do. I need to wrap up now. Have you got another call coming through?
1: Uh, I've got one in 10 minutes, so
0: no, no rush. rush. Cool, mate. Yeah. I'll just, yeah. What's, what's your take? I mean, you're, you're a smart guy. So if you don't want to answer this, by all means, you're not obligated to do anything here, but the Brexit thing, mate, is that as a musician, is that going to have an impact on you?
1: Uh, if I'm honest, I, I don't know enough about the, the specifics of that. Um, and because Solisius hasn't really been touring uh, for the last five years and we haven't got much lined up, it's uh, not that we won't. Well, I think we just wanted to test the waters you know, with that uh, comeback and stuff. But um, in terms of uh, how that's going to affect us, I don't really know yet. I think a lot of it's kind of still up in the air and I'm seeing stuff like coming out in within these past few days about how things are going to change and change for the worse. Um, yeah, I but I, I don't know exactly how bad it will be for touring over there or how expensive it might now become. Um, luckily, Architect is in uh, quite a strong position. I mean, we did quite well over there. We've done like um a lot of arenas on the last headline tour. So yeah. Yeah. it's it's smaller bands that are really, really going to suffer, I think, with – I mean, again, I don't really know. I don't know like if we're going to have to get like visas or permits or have to pay – Extra costs. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really know. is all I do know is that everyone I know, literally everyone, is against Brexit and didn't want it to happen. But <laughs> there's was. a there's just like a this weird, yeah, bunch of people just voted for it without really knowing what they were voting for. I think.
0: Yeah, I, I think. Look, what I think it'll do in the long <laughs> term is it'll bring the Anglosphere closer together. So uh, the US, Australia. The UK, obviously. And I think trade between the three is actually going to be stronger. I think it has to, really, um, because there, there's already a symbiosis there that we've kind of talked about. And uh, so hopefully it makes it easy for you to get over to the States because I know how difficult it is just as, a, as an Aussie to bloody go over there and spend any, you know, we only sort of can go over there for a couple of weeks at a time and then we've got to come back. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I I'd look, you know, there's a lot more detail to it than that, obviously, but but yeah, certainly a lot of, if I were to do sort of go over there and I think jump up on stage and sort of, because I'm a musician too, and uh, play with somebody, I think I'd have to be very careful about what I said in immigration, about what my intentions were visiting the country, for example. So I think... You know, whilst one door closes, another one may open, and I think that'll definitely be the case. And I think Boris has certainly um, signalled that his intention is, is for that to happen, and I, I hope it does as a bit of a silver lining to the cloud that I'm sure a lot of people view Brexit as.
1: Yeah, well, fingers crossed it's not as as. Uh bad as a lot of
0: people might be thinking it is oh, it won't be yeah. it'll never it'll <clears throat> catastrophize mate you know I'm I'm, I'm around being oh, always yeah well yeah. I'm being in my 40s I'm around all the young ones now at uni and uh, they they got their smart people but they they still don't challenge things in the way that say you and I would you know in other words we can tell not by the content of a message but by the tone of a message if someone's trying to bullshit us and right <laughs> and I try to explain yeah. that to them that you know politics is really just bullshit it's just trying to get you to get into a state of fear to do something that somebody else wants you to do effectively. So whether it was for Brexit or post-Brexit, it was basically, it was all about fear. And, yeah. and, and, and I think that was a thing. And if you could sort of see through it, like whether you stayed as a part of the EU, or whether you left the, in the, the regular person's life in the UK, I don't think is going to change all of that much. It's just going to be down to governance, I think, and, and a sense of identity. Maybe that's where it'll be different. But overall, I don't think it's going to change too much. Could be wrong, but certainly all of the reading yeah. I've done, and I've done plenty of it, I can't see how it's going to impact the average person living in, I don't know, I'm trying to pick somewhere, but I can't. I don't know the UK <laughs> at all because I've never sure, been there. Sure. But, <laughs> you know, Right, yeah. yeah so, uh, mate, do you think I'll be down here again sometime soon?
1: Uh I hope so. Yeah, um I literally just got back like 2 weeks ago. Uh I was out there for Unify Festival of Architects, but um That's right, yeah, Isis yeah. hasn't been over since uh 2013. We did the soundwave there, so it'd be nice to get back. Um and yeah, like we've never really done any, you know, touring over there like club shows or anything, so it'd be really great to to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, it'd be awesome to see you. Yeah, I'd love to see you guys live actually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this this will be an album that I'll be listening to long after the The review cycle or the interview cycle's finished. I mean, God, I get hundreds of stuff a year, as you can imagine, but... um this one I really enjoyed, mate, i got to tell you. So, so look, congratulations on it. And just, you know, the other thing, mate, just the way you carry yourself, um, it's to be admired too, I think. You know, you seem like as though you're a very measured bloke. And uh, you're, you're an excellent musician, it must be said. You're, you're an outstanding guitarist, certainly, from the from the videos that I've watched there. So all of the young people out there that sort of... I, I like I like the idea of inspiring young people to pick up the guitar, and I think you're one of those guitarists as well, mate, so thank you for doing that.
1: Thank you so much, man. That's very kind of you to say all that. Yeah.
0: No worries. All right. We'll hope to see you down here again sometime soon. Brilliant. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. Thank you very much. Thanks, brother. Take easy, then. You too. See you. Bye. Catch you. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series to Syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name, of course, is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was Josh Middleton from the UK Outfits, Solosis, and Architects. Thanks for listening.